quiet, please. Now on the tee, two happy golfers. Grip it and rip it. Get in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, happy golfers. Get ready for this episode. You're going to want to jump in your camper and get ready to go traveling because we got a great episode coming up today. We're talking with Tony, the nomadic golfer, and we're talking to him about all his tours around Australia. G'day, Todd. G'day, Dave. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm going good, mate. How, how good was that chat with Tony the other day? Oh, yeah, it was awesome, mate. Um, he's living every golfer's dream at the moment, I reckon. Well, exactly. We all love golf. We love new courses, and he's just doing that. Yep, traveling the countryside in his camper. The great thing thing I took out of it was he must have a great wife who's just said, just go and play golf and I'll just do what I need to do when you're not there. I, I enjoy being alone. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Women, take note, be Tony's wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure they're all like that, but uh, good on him. He's found a good one there. But, uh, mate, you know, what a, what a life, just – you know, traveling the countryside, pulling up wherever he wants to pull up. I think he said he, he stays a maximum of two or three nights at any one place and then they move on to the next place. What I forgot to ask him was, how does he decide which way they go when they get to a T intersection, left or right? Do they flip a coin or, you know, because that would be the hard, that would be the, probably the hardest choice he's got. Yeah, exactly. Do I want to play this course there or do I want to play these three down here? We've got to, we've got to work it out. Yeah, is it getting windy on the coast? I'll, I'll head inland, you know. <laughs> but you know what? It got me thinking uh, after chatting to Tony, and he's up to, you know, 250 different courses on this trip alone. And he mentioned in the interview that he um, he'd already clocked up about 100 to 150 courses. I'm sitting there thinking, I've played a lot of courses. I'm going to start making a list of how many courses I've played, right? Yep. And um, – so I started racking my brain and just writing them down in any order I remembered them in, and I've gone back to it over the last couple of days and stuff. And I reckon I'm just shy of a hundred. I'm at, at about ninety-seven, but I'm sure I've got more that I'll, I'll think of as I go. What about you? How many do you reckon you've done? Yeah, nice. Jeez. Um, well, your your golfing career is a bit longer than mine. I think I'd I'd probably be around the sixty mark, sixty-four maybe something like that. Yeah, right. It's still good going. When you, and when you think about him doing two hundred and fifty just on this <laughs> this trip, uh, in what? We're in the middle of 2023, so in the middle, you know, he left in 2020. So in, yeah, you know, three years he's clocked up 250. So that's a course a week. More. That's crazy. I hope the guys at work listen to this because they think I play a lot of golf, and I'll be like, "Look at Tony, mate. He, I got nothing on him." <laughs> yeah, I, there's more. Nearly three courses a week. How good's that? Wow. I, I, I'd just love to play three times a week at any course, my home course, let alone different courses. And that, that's the cool part. Like, how cool would it be playing a new course every time and just soaking all that in every time? Like, oh, wow, I'm not getting bored because I'm discovering something new. Yeah. And, like, he's obviously just a pretty chilled guy. You get that from the from the discussion. And, um, you know, he's not taking his golf too serious, although he's a pretty handy golfer by the sounds of it. He's off a real low mark, similar to you and I. I think you mentioned he was off about two. Mm. Um, so he, he gets that time where he does play in the comp occasionally and he's he's got to play to, I think he said the highest one he got to was plus five. He got the card and he was his handicap was plus five due to the slope. That that would be a bit scary, a bit like one of the um, listeners that sent us a message on our Facebook page and he had a short course set up at his place and he got his card and it was plus five or something. <laughs> and that that's just difficult golf when you, you're not used to playing that low. Do I have to play in the comp? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I get a refund? I'll just play socially. <laughs> but, you know, again, like I thought that was pretty impressive for him to keep his handicap so low by playing all these different courses as well. Like that's a that's a skill in itself. Like you see so many people that have played well at their home track, but once they go away, they can't play golf at all. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the key to being a consistent golfer is being able to take it away from where your home track is. Um, you know, if you can continually play around your handicap on a neutral track, now, there are thereabouts that you haven't seen too often, then, you know, you're pretty competent. You're a pretty competent golfer. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, that's a, that's a good skill to have. So what about this week's golf, mate? Did you get to see much of it? I know the times were pretty crappy. The, the live boys were in London, so there was clashing with the cricket and it was just clashing with my bedtime. And then the LPGA and the PGA. Well, the PGA wasn't much to look at this week. The no, John Deere Classic. It. 
Yeah, I, the thing I like about the John Deere is I love all the John Deere stuff. That's cool, like the the tractors, the ball mark, like the ball, the T markers, sorry, and all that sort of stuff. That looks cool, but yeah, I, to be honest, I didn't watch any of it. Yeah, no, my my partner she loves those T markers. Every time we watch the golf. She, First thing she checks out is the different tea markers. So she likes the FedEx ones. She likes the Coca-Cola bottles. She likes the John Deere, of course. You know, you can buy them on eBay, but they're not cheap uh, Different from different years. Well, I've they would be because they look like the full die-cast sort of model of them, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, she likes the traveler's umbrellas. She, she likes all of them. She doesn't care which one she gets. So I just got to stop her from buying them. How do you like watching sport? Like, you know, you can watch Live on the 7 Plus app. How do you like watching it once it's already sort of finished? I, I, for some reason, I just like watching it live, and then that's sort of it. If I know the scores out there that I can just Google it, I struggle to sort of, yeah, I struggle to not watch it. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. As long as I don't know what the score is, I'm okay because I, I like the excitement of seeing the scores and how they go. But as soon as I look at the leaderboard on the phone or an app, it's like, okay, well, I know where it's at. I know what's going to happen to a degree. As far as the score goes, yeah, I sort of lose interest and go about doing other things instead of trying to catch up on it. Unless you're looking at it and you're like, someone's, say, 15 under, and then they end up losing because they finished nine under and they got four holes or so to go. You're like, what the hell happened? i got to watch this. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to fast forward on the 7 Plus app, but um, anyhow, it's still good. It's still good you can actually go back and watch some of it and we're not just getting the highlights. Uh, scroll through at your own leisure sort of thing. Yeah, I, I found know. myself watching a lot of the um, – a lot of the women's golf, though, being Pebble Beach, that was pretty exciting, I thought. Yeah, well, I was going to say there, which one are you turning on to when you're going in the mornings like we normally do? Are you going to the PGA or are you going to the LPGA? And this week, it was definitely the LPGA for me. Mm. Shall we run through some scores, mate? Yeah, so the LPGA, we'll start there. Um, played at Pebble Beach for the first time. So what did you think of the setup? I thought it was awesome. Uh, had a little bit of everything. The, the weather was pretty kind to them, really. And I, we sort of mentioned in the pre previous episode where I sort of said that small greens are going to be the key, and it was those players that can hit the greens and hit a lot of greens in reg that are going to do the do the best scores. So it was it was a tight race there for a little while. Uh, young American girl Alison Corpez got the chocolates over a, more of a veteran player in Charlie Hull. So at nine under, she was um, she started the day at seven, and you know she was. She was looking steady, but she wasn't looking like she was going to run away with it. The Japanese girl, Hakayota, just couldn't keep with her. She started with a couple of bogeys early in the round, and again, they both looked a little bit shaky. And in front of them, Charlie Hull was just shooting the lights out. I think Charlie Hull got it to, I think she started with a birdie, eagle, birdie, birdie. She got it to six under at the turn uh, and was racing up the leaderboard, but she just couldn't find any more on the back nine, unfortunately. No, that's it. But what a great final final eighteen, really six under. But then six under through the turn, and there's so yeah. many options out the back. Unfortunately, couldn't grab a few more to put a bit of more pressure on on the leaders at the time. Yeah, and she was still trailing at the turn, so she was still trailing by a couple by the time she got there. But she was a couple of holes in front of the the leading group as well. But great score, I think it was score of the week at sixty six, low round of the week. Just happened to be in the last round. She just left herself too much work to do. And it seemed that way for a lot of the girls. They were consistency won out over over the four rounds. Really, um, there was some low scores out there, but there was probably more of a chance that you were going close to par or you know not too far under, and, and maybe a couple over. So, well, what do we got? I think at the end of it, I think there was only probably oh geez, I'd say what eight or so people were under par, eight or nine yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, I think even par got you inside the top ten. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it wasn't playing too easy, um, and it was a tight race there for a little while. Uh, just got away in in the end, I think. And good honour, young girl, first major. So there was and a great photo, Beach. and at Pebble Beach, yeah, there was a great photo of um, her and Sabbath Tagala from the PGA Tour as junior world champions together. Okay, as as real small little tuckers, like I think the age of twelve or thirteen uh, that they showed. And there was another photo of um, Alison and her older brother with um, Morgan Pressel was taken right. in 2007 and Morgan Pressel being the commentator on the, the show. So they showed that photo and she goes, well, it's going to be a different photo this time when I go down and get a photo with her. So, <laughs> yeah, it was Jeez, pretty cool. 2007, it doesn't seem that long ago, does it? No, but 16 years ago. <laughs> I so, can't believe that. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm not sure how old she is, but um, she she not hasn't been on the tour very long. 
she looks quite young, but yeah, good on her. Got a major under her belt now. Yeah. The Aussies, our Grace Kim, just made the cut at plus six, so didn't get off to a great start, but absolutely had a great weekend. Shot 71-71 and stormed home for a top 15 and tied 13th with fellow Aussie Minji Lee and Hannah Green. So just on the Grace Kim thing, right, so in the chat we had with her, we asked her what her goal is for the end of the year, what where she wants to be in the world ranking. She said 20 to 30. Mate, she is getting – she's. If she keeps going this way, she's definitely going to get in there for sure. Yeah, remember, it's her rookie year, mate. So a top 20 in a major, top 15 in a major, that's a great start. And it's, um, it was credit to her to hang in there and play good golf on the weekend. Um, she climbed up uh, a heap of places, you know, from just making the cut to, to inside the top 20. Um, you know, she's chasing the other young rookie, Rose Zhang, from America. For rookie of the year at this stage, and and um, Rose, she had a good weekend as well. She finished, I think, just inside the top ten or just on the top ten. Yeah, she um, was tied so, ninth. Yep. Yeah, uh, and both of them have had a win. So, I mean, she's trending again. We keep saying she's trending. She's she's doing great. She's going well. So is young Gabby Ruffles uh, from the, the Epsom Tour. She was in there until the weekend. She threw in one bad round of the weekend and dropped a few places, but you know she was still there. She made the cut, unlike some of the big names that missed out. There was a lot of big names that missed out, which I was really surprised with. Yeah, so Lexi Thompson, one of them, missed out by a long shot. It was good to see Annika Sorenstein and Michelle Wee, or Michelle Wee West now, she's known by, um, their final go around in the US Open together, and they played played together, and um, you know, neither of them made the cut, but uh, looked like they were enjoying themselves and having a good time for their final go around, and you know, fitting to, to be the first time at Pebble Beach for the ladies and for those two champions of the game to bow out. No, what a, a and just being at Pebble Beach is a great way to show that how the game is moving forward with these women playing golf as well. And and so so it should be like for them to play at Pebble Beach. I hope I definitely don't think it would be the last time because I think the reception they got from there is just fantastic. Yeah, it's, let's hope that they can get back there or get to some of the other courses that um, are played by the men's as well. For some of their major championships, it would be awesome. Speaking of the men's, we'll move on to the PGA. Seb Stracker took the chocolates at the John Deere. So not too many people were in con- contention there. I think a lot of the guys have gone overseas and looking to get ready for the, the British. Um, so we didn't see much of that at all. Did you see much of that, mate? No, as I said, I yeah, I didn't watch much of that as well because I was watching a lot of the um, the ladies' golf. But, um, you know, his career low, nine under in the final round of Storm Home and and win the event. That's that was a pretty good come from behind. Oh, awesome round nine under. You know, you only won by two ahead of uh, Brendan Todd and Alex Morley, uh, tied at second nineteen under. So nine under in the final round. Yeah, it's crazy golf. That's when you know you're hot. Yeah, oh, exactly. You don't want to. You don't want to stop on those days. That's for sure. Can we keep playing? Can we keep playing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about the live golf, mate? We picked we picked our tips on the live golf this week, and uh, you got it done over me. I picked Sebastian Munoz, who I thought was playing pretty good recently, and you went with Cameron Tringali, who has also been playing pretty good lately. And Tringali got it done for you. I think well done. There were good tips that we picked because you know we don't want to sort of pick the favourites or the big names that we want it all the time. We just kind of want to pick around the same sort of people, and I think we did that this week. Yeah, look. You know, I've just been going on form and, um, you know, who, who'd have thought Cam Smith, I mean, I know he's been in form, but, you know, he, he led start to finish. You know, I didn't know he was in that much form. Um, oh. Well done. But Mark Leishman come out from nowhere too. It's about time to see Big Leash get off the chain and make some birdies and stuck right with him uh, the whole time. You know, he was one behind after the first round and then one behind after the second round and finished one behind. To yeah. tie second with Patrick Reed, who stormed home. Yeah, exactly right. So no, it was really great to see Cam Smith in hot form, ready to um, ready to defend. Try and defend. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, good on him. He's, he has been in some good form. So a couple of guys on that tour are in some really good form. Uh, what about the teams? So Rippers unfortunately couldn't get it done as a team. Uh, Would have topped off both Leash and, and uh, Cam's weekend if the teams had it got it done. Finished in second place, one behind the four aces. And mind you, the four aces on the third round have done it again and just jumped over the top of everybody with a, a minus 15 score. 
15 underscore. They just seem to find a way on the last day to come through the field and combine their scores. It's just crazy. Well, just just for everyone listening, if you didn't look, so the four races have gone in the round one. So I'll do the first three. So I've got four races, Ripper GC and the Stingers GC. So in round one, the four races were three under, the Ripper GC were 13 under, and the Stinger GC was 15 under, right? Oh, five under, sorry. And then the four races in the second round, 16 under, the Ripper GC 10 under, and the Stinger GC 17 under. And then in the final round, the four races go 15 under, Ripper GC 10 under, Stinger GC 7 under. So, the, yeah, the four races 34 under with 15 under on the final round. Far out. Yeah. Five, five best in the second place. Well, 16 under in the second round, then 15 under on the third date. You yeah. know, whereas the Rippers started at 13 and went backwards, went 10 under in the second day and 10 under in the third day. But, and the Stingers, yeah, highest score for a team, uh, minus 17 on day two, really climbed up the leaderboard there. Mate, we're, uh, we're, we're getting close to getting a playoff, though, for your teams. And Yeah, we were close again. <laughs> I just want to see a playoff, teams playoff. I just want to see the format. I think it'll be awesome to watch. But really, you know, like, the Rippers had every chance to win it. you got Leishman and Smith, two guys, and I don't think this has ever happened, to have two guys in the top three and they're only one behind each other. So at 15 under and 14 under, that's 29. So Matt Jones and Janai Morgan have contributed four points over the whole weekend virtually. Take a good you know, look at yourself, guys. <laughs> yeah, chip in, guys. Let's go. So, what, what do you think of that? Do you think – I love the whole this is Team Australia, but do you think it's maybe time to break that up if you can find better players to win more events for the team? Oh, look, I'm not sure. I mean, Janai Morgan's going to have to pull his finger out, otherwise he's, he's on the brink of relegation anyway. So mm-hmm. – um, you know, and I don't know who comes in. It's the top three that come in, so it may not be an all Aussie side next year anyway. So Jadai Morgan drops out, and you know the only, the only guy Aussie there that looks like maybe coming in is Wade Ornsby. You know, if that happens, then obviously it might stay as an all Aussie team. But yeah, I'm not sure. Um, hasn't worked for him because the only guy really doing all the heavy lifting is Cam Smith, and, yeah, and Leishman's just, chipped in occasionally. Yeah, and this week Leishman sort of shined a bit more, but yeah. It's just camp, the cam show, really, isn't it, for that team? Yeah, whereas you look at the four aces, mate, and they've all contributed. I mean, Pat Perez, he's never in the hunt for the singles, but he's always contributing to his team. Peter Uline had a great start early in the in the um, year and was really right up there individually. And Patrick Reed's always there and thereabouts and never gives up Patrick Reed mentality. And I think he contributes almost every round. And Dustin Johnson, I don't think he's gone around without contributing you know, so pretty, pretty solid golf, and you just got to contribute. You just you just can't be. I mean, the Aussies, for instance, day one, Cam Smith was minus eight, and Leishman was minus seven. So that's fifteen under, and they finished as a team. So one more person had to contribute. That one person cost them two shots at two over. Matt Jones. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, even par or one under par, you know, everyone else is out there making birdies. It gets the one under par. They're at sixteen. So. It's not that hard, guys. What are you doing? Well, it's simple. Us just telling you, let's go. <laughs> obviously, it is. I wonder if they have some sort of kangaroo court where it costs those guys for not contributing, or cost if if you contribute in a negative way to the team, it's your shout for dinner or slab or something. I'm not sure. Kangaroo court, mate. Bring in a kangaroo court, and we'll they'll they'll get themselves sorted. That's what they need. What they need is a goat chain to boost people up. Like I want that chain. Yeah, or I don't want to wear the pink hat. Yes, that's it. Yeah, like the Stingers have the hat. Have you seen that with the uh, big hat? Yes, I have seen that, yeah. So if you have the worst round of the day, you've got to wear the big hat. They style that idea off me, I think. So, yeah, I think we need to get into Cam Smith's year and organise something for the Rippers so that it's a, the, the team's a little bit more engaged, I reckon. So I reckon that about wraps up the week of golf. I hope everyone – have we got any, we got any socials, mate? Uh, not we've this week. We'll, we'll get it, we'll get onto it next week. We've got a bit more time next week. So next week we're going to do – the full rundown of the British Open coming up. So we've got a bit more time then. We'll run through a few more things. Just on that, it was a funny story last week. I don't know if you've all heard the episode last week where uh, old mate lost his control of his remote control buggy, lost sight of it and was still going, ended up in a dam and they had to fish it out. (laughs) Uh, And you mentioned it happened to me. It didn't happen to me. I didn't end up in the dam. But the following day, my club 
put on its members page a video of their fourth year trainee down to his jocks walking in to help one of the lady members get a bag out of the dam. Oh, no. And it wasn't recent. It was actually last year, but it was refreshed on their members page. Um, I'm not sure whether that came about because of our episode or not, but if it did, yeah, funny story. And, you know, if you do have a great golfing story and you want us to hear it, um, yeah, just record it on your phone, send it to us in an email, and we'll, um, we might play it on the podcast. But until yeah. then, I, I think we get into the chat with Tony, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll see you next week for a full British Open rundown. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the podcast, and happy golfing, everybody. Happy golfing. All right. Well, our next guest, just like Lucky Star sang, I've been everywhere, man. Our next guest has been golfing everywhere. So we'd like to welcome to the show, Tony Ellis, or better known as the Nomadic Golfer. Hey, Tony, how you going, mate? G'day, Dave. Going great, mate. And, uh, thanks for having me on your show. No worries, bud. We just, yeah, we're going to run through a few questions, mate, because you're the traveling golfer for us all. Yeah, so, mate, let's, um, let's start with some questions. So what got you started on this massive golfing adventure you're up over 240 courses played what what was the the itch mate that got it started it's probably the disappointing answer todd originally it didn't didn't start out to be a golfing trip it was um the early retirement and doing 10 years early what we were going to do in 10 years time and and head around australia for a few years and it wasn't until which 2020 which was our first year out there with all the COVID lockdowns and what have you um, we were fortunately in New South Wales, so we could still play golf. Um, it wasn't until then when my wife decided, um, because there were even there so many restrictions, that I should play more golf to get out of camp to give her some time to herself. So um, I blame her, Todd. I blame her. Um, it was at that same time she said, oh, well, so- <laughs> she said, if you're going to play, you need a goal. So that's when I sort of was trying to play as many as I could, and I played 100 courses in 2020 and um i'm trying to get to a thousand that's the goal wow and and once your wife said that mate you just take it and said well you didn't say how many i want to play i'm I'm making a list now we're going exactly my job is to please her yeah can i (laughs) can i get my wife to ring your wife (laughs) can i get that permission to mate that sounds that's every, every every golfing guy's dream isn't it yeah i think so i've been lucky So, so you said you did it through COVID, and so you're right to go through anywhere in New South Wales yeah. at that time. Yep, yep. So, I was initially when we were in New South Wales, and you know the, the restrictions were in place, but you could still play golf in New South Wales. And all I just spent 20 years in Melbourne, and all my golfing mates, or most of my golfing mates, were in Vic. So the first few weeks, I was sort of taking the pee out of them, not being able to play golf. While I was out there sending them pictures of me on the golf course, but it was obvious after two or three weeks that. That was sort of hitting a, a delicate nerve, so I, I ran back on that a bit. But, but um, yeah, while there were still restrictions, I, where I was in um, sort of central south New South Wales around Gundagai area, um, all those courses were fine. You, you know, just had those COVID restrictions of can't touch the pins and bunker rakes and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, so I got heaps of golf in 2020. Played played hundred hundred different courses, so it was a good start. It's a really good start. I'm up, I'm up to I'm up to about two, two, 250 on the trip, and I reckon I played 130, 150 in my life before that. So I'm I'm around the 400 mark, I think. It's not exact, but but the numbers on my trip are exact. <laughs> Tell me, mate, do you pick up a memento at every course, like uh, your ball marker collector or a logo ball collector, or? Oh, it's a really good, really good question, Todd. I started at the beginning doing that, but then you know the life is a Bloody early retired grey nomad, I would my my budget would have run out by now. So <laughs> I don't pick up something at every course. Plus, oh, there's a weight restriction on the weight restriction on my caravan, so I can't take the junkets everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and there's only only so many golf shirts you can have in there. So exactly, yep. I, I'm I'm limited to to golf hats too. I've got that many of them that I'm strictly now on a one in one out policy. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when you're traveling is it spontaneous or you've got it planned on where you're going that's a really good question david when we took off our plan was to not have a plan and and that made it really spontaneous and our, the the route 
was not dependent on there being golf courses there. We sort of did the route where we want to go, and then I then I find the golf courses. Um, but there are certain times and certain places where we do have to plan. Like at the moment, we're in Darwin, uh, and it's school holidays, so we needed to book ahead a few a few places, and 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 so we have had to have had to plan. But it's pretty cool when you don't have to plan. If you think you're going to stay somewhere a week and you don't like it so much, you can move on. And and conversely, if you're only going to stay a couple of days and you love it, you can stay a week. So so uh, it's pretty cool not having any sort of commitment to be in places at a certain time. That, that's uh, one of the uh, big benefits of, of doing this. Yeah, nice. So, so the wife doesn't play golf, mate. She just lets you go and do it. Does she, does she come for the walk on some of the courses just to have a look around or anything like that? Well, she played a bit of golf uh, back twenty years ago, and her always. And then we had a couple more kids, and she didn't. So her plan was in retirement she would play golf, but uh, in the same sort of flavour as that comment before I was making, she loves that time on her own. So she has not um, taken the game back up. The only time in all these courses I've played that she's walked the course with me was um, the other day at Tennant Creek, where I. <laughs> played and uh, she accompanied me on, on our previous visit to the Tennant Creek golf course there was a, a, a very fierce looking dog patrolling the place and she said if I, if you don't come back in five hours I'm going to be pretty worried so I'll, I'll walk around with your five iron cocked above my head in case he goes us so so that was a one round she's done with me Todd <laughs> she was out there to protect you was she yeah she was that's what that's what she said so yeah so mate um so you're up in Darwin now um, what's the plan? You're, you're just chasing the sunshine up north for a little while while it's cool back down in the southern states like yep, where I am? Yeah, so we're, we're in Darwin and the NT for a couple of months or a couple more months, um, and we've just had a granddaughter in northern New South Wales, um, so we will get back there sort of around October is the plan. That's as uh, finite as our plans get. Yeah, right, nice. So, Congratulations on uh, the, the new addition to the family, mate. Um, thank you, So sir. have you gone west at all? Let's talk about going west. Have you gone west at all? Have we played the Nullarbor links? Nope, nope. So as far west as we've got is where we are now in Darwin, and uh, and we've sort of hit the, the same uh, the same west reading in through uh, 2021 when we spent a lot of time in SA. We, we, we will go west, but we'll go over there for a sort of a year. And so we'll wait till the granddaughters get get a bit older, I think, before we uh, go over there. So we've basically done all up the east right. coast, and and four months in Tassie is what we've done. I mean, it, it's not what we had would have thought we would have done in yeah. three and a half years. Absolutely, we would have thought we would have done at least a lap by now. But we've had it's sort of something each year that's that's um, determined where we've gone. Where you know, COVID in twenty twenty. Then in uh, 21, we ret- returned to SA for a couple of weeks to visit my parents, and there were a couple of illnesses in the family, so we ended up staying there for eight months after intending to be there for two weeks. So got to play a few of my old South Australian golf course haunts, which was great. And then um, last year, our daughter lives in northern New South Wales and got flooded in that flood that hit Lismore and, and um, the northern rivers region. So we end up spending... Uh, seven months of the year in a little town called Korakai, just out of Lismore. So got to play all those sort of northern New South Wales courses as well. So you know, every cloud has a silver lining, and um, there's still a lot. We've got a lot of we've got a lot, a lot of Australia left to explore. I love that these things are happening, but you're finding golf courses. Okay, we're going to Lismore. Well, <laughs> I can play a few golf courses on the way there, so we'll be right. Oh, absolutely, and that's always the go. Yeah, is to just have a minimum of minimum of two nights at a place, so I can at least if there's only one golf course in the area, I can play it. It's the benefit of not having any commitments, Dave. <laughs> and I, I take it, mate, you're not too fussy as long as it's got uh, a hole for the ball to go into. Um, so we know some of the tracks out in some of the country regions can be uh, sand scrapes. So you, you, you don't even mind if they're sand scrapes. You can play the sand scrapes occasionally. Uh, I don't mind at all. I'm, I I love some of the the more quirky and and outback country tracks you come across, um, and I think the the most enjoyable days I have are when you get that big surprise on the upside, and and you go and play any the good 
city courses and even if you haven't played them before you can read about them you know what to expect when you come across some of these country tracks you have no expectations you have and a lot of them you rock up in the car park and you think oh, well this this doesn't look too promising this might be pretty ordinary and you get out and you see you see something that's just has some natural beauty or or in a number that I came across, especially some of those nine-hole courses down in Tassie and, and some of them in country New South Wales, where you would expect that, you know, there's no mention of anyone who designed the golf course, and I'm not sure if even the members today know who designed the golf course, but obviously the members at the time, someone had some nous there that had enough thinking to say, hey, we don't want to say, you know, Miss Fairway right, you get in trouble, Miss Fairway left, you get in trouble. You know, there's some strategy, there's some benefit through taking on the tighter side and that sort of stuff. And you can see some of that. When you see some of that in some of those upcountry courses which struggle to get decent turf, but you see that in the layout, it's just it's magic, I reckon. And if you combine that with some of the, the natural beauty and the courses which use those natural assets and the, what is in their natural environment to the benefit of the course, uh, that's some of my best days. There's a, a couple that I've sort of gone over the top about in in Tassie, in Rosebury, which is an old mining town, and in Taralee, which is an old hydro town. Taralee now has a population of zero. That they, they have no one lives in the town, but they still maintain their golf course and, and and it's a magically beautiful place where whoever designed that golf course and I think it was, you know, people on the hydro scheme back in the twenties or thirties or whatever, they knew what they were doing and there's some magic holes. And, and, and that Rosebury up in the mining country where they get over three metres of rain a year and, the, and they really struggle to grow turf, but they cut this golf course out of thick forest. And again, whoever designed it knew what they were doing. They, they created scary lines, but if you went down those lines, you had, a, you had a much clearer shot into the pin. And the natural beauty of the place is, is just magnificent. So those, those sort of days are what, what give me the greatest thrill and and more often than not those days come from being out in the bush <laughs> being out back some of those have got scrapes and some of them have got greens i i love that you sort of say that about the country course like my, one of my favorite golf courses is oberon golf course i don't know if you've played there no and you just think if that course was in sydney area you know it would peak because the layout is just something so special and it's only run you know it's cut by the council or volunteers up there but you know, just the layout, and I love going up there every year, and it's just, yeah, just something about it that catches your eye, and you think, wow, this is cool. Well, it's interesting you say that. There's a couple in country New South Wales, because we spent a few months out near Gundagaina Farm in the harder lockdown of, of um, COVID, in Juni and in Harden, which uh, in that same, same sort of um, bucket where they really use their natural assets, there's one on Junee, this dog leg that's just left a heap of rock, naturally formed rock that was lying around and put this little dog leg right around it and it just tops off what I thought was a, a magic little track. And and some of those I don't even think that the town people who, who play golf but aren't really, you know, golf nerds like perhaps us three might be, would realise how good a track they've got. Um, they might look and see that their grasses aren't perfect, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and and you know there's this here and that there, but but some of them um, and and Junee, I reckon, is a great example of that. I reckon it's a great little track, but you, you've never heard about it, never seen anyone write anything about it. Might just me be me being crazy, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, Dave, Dave and I met up uh, last year. We hadn't got together. Um, during COVID because Dave's in New South Wales, I'm in Victoria uh, and there was that COVID thing and, you know, we're, we're seven hours apart and we sort of just hadn't met up and, and Dave rang me out of the blue and he said, mate, I know we can meet up and play golf together and I'm like, yeah, right, that sounds good. Where? And he says, halfway between my place and your place. I'm like, right. I'm, and I'm trying to think of where, what's he talking about, you know? And yep. he said this, name this place and it was Binalong. And I went, Right. I said, what's on? He said, the New South Wales Sand Greens Championship. And I said to David, have you played Sand Greens? He said, no. Nah. And I'm like, he said, have you? And I said, no. Nah. So let's do it. And we, you know, we met up there with a couple other mates and we camped on site. And it was probably one of the best weekends we've, we've had golfing, really. You know, we, we camped, we, we played golf, it was 36 holes. And we just had a ball and it was just... It was just something different than what we're used to, and it was great, mate. So some of the stuff that you've been doing, I can only imagine that every day is a, uh, another surprise around the corner. You know, it'd be awesome. 
Yep. Binalong was one of those courses I played when I was at that farm in Kulak near Gundagai. It was about an hour or so, hour or so drive, if I recall. Big wide fairways and scrapes. Yeah, I, I recall it. <laughs> I've probably played, I would say, nice. 30 yeah, or so. Yeah, I, I remember it. Absolutely, I remember it. Because there was a guy at the camp who said, oh, I remember playing in Ambrose event been along back in the day. Not a bad golf course. And I, anything within that hour and a half radius I was going to anyway. So <laughs> I went and had a game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty familiar with the workings of. I, no, no, we were based at a at a place in in Kulak, just out of Gundagai. So I, I, we travel. I just travelled oh, okay, to the golf from there during COVID because we weren't really meant to travel, but because you know we lived in our van, people we're staying with certain rules to abide by, but we were able to stay there. So, yep. Oh, okay. No, I, I, the reason I ask that is when we stay in our tent, just a, the big freight train just goes straight through the campsite. And oh, you can just hear it. it and it's like, oh, that'll wake you up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with his, yeah with plenty of that. With his, with his headlight going at two, 2 in the morning, the freight train with its headlight on 2 in the morning, just steaming through. I think, who, who'd live here, you know? Um, but, yeah, good golf course. It was, was awesome. It was a bit of fun. Uh, so, mate, what's uh, what's been your favourite course so far? Let's go down that track. What's, what's one that's really sort of, you know, must-do golf course for everyone out there? Um, well, tell us why. It, it, it's it's a really good question. I, I, I sort of got a couple of answers. First, in terms of my favourite course I've ever played, and and I had to narrow that down to two, but neither of them have been on my trip so far. Um, having lived in Melbourne for 20 years, played all the Sandbelt courses and can't go past the West Coast of Royal Melbourne for reasons everyone said. Um, but the other thing, which sort of probably the best day I've ever had in golf, I got to play out at St Andrews on the old course, and it was a... A, a real, it was just a spine-tingling experience for me. It's a really long story of what happened, of how I got on the course, and ended up playing a day earlier than I'd anticipated because there was a someone didn't turn up when I was just inquiring at the clubhouse, so I was on, and and it was just a, a magic day, one of those days when just everything went right. You look as though you wrote the script about what what might happen to get a game, the the people I played with, and the outcome, and to see you know, what you'd seen on TV so so many times through all that history and to, to play St Andrews. Um, it, it's interesting, and I know a lot of people who know St Andrews really well say you just learn so much every time you play there. And the first time you play there, a lot of stuff is blank to me. I mean, obviously, really, with holes 1, 17 and 18, which are so iconic, they're, they're firmly etched on my mind. But if someone said to you, where, where were you on the 13th? I'd have to rack through to find the 13th. Whereas plenty of other courses I've played at, I could... My memory with the golf is I could take you to the 13th. So, so they were the two that rank highest for me, Todd. In terms of my trip, I've been lucky enough to, on the trip to play courses like New South Wales, um, the Lakes, Royal Adelaide, uh, Peninsula Kingswood North Course, as well as the National. And I, I think the PK North Course, for a condition of a course, best I've ever played, that was spectacular. Um, I used to... Or the course which I'm a member at, uh, the Long Island course of the National. I'm a member at the National, but I play at Long Island. We share a border with Peninsula Kingswood, so I could see all the works that were going on for years. And then to to play that and to see what they've done is unbelievable. It's a magic track and condition like I've never seen. Um, loved New South Wales golf course, having seen that lots and, and not played that till last year. Loved it. But it, I think it's the biased South Australian in me in terms of my favourite course to play is Royal Adelaide, and when we were um, in New South, in sorry, when we were in South Australia in, in 21, I took advantage of that, and I reckon I had about seven or eight games at Royal Adelaide under my uh, my reciprocal rights from the National. So I, the more I play it, the more I love it. It's just got a special, such a special set of par fours, um, and my favourite hole in the world is that little 260 metre par three. Though it is blind tee shot, Todd, so I'm not sure if it tick your boxes but it's a quirky little quirky little hole which you can easy make a three and you can easy make an eight or a nine one of those little beauties so that was a roundabout way to answering your question mate but um i sit on the fence a bit you said you played st andrews right have yep. you played the reciprocal cooper Pedy? absolutely how crazy is that that that's reciprocal absolutely. with st yep. andrews yeah there's a bit in the fine print 
about that reciprocal rights, but we won't go into that. It is an awesome job they did to get reciprocal with St Andrews, yeah. And that that Cooper P have you guys if you guys oh, have yeah. ever played Cooper Pete, that is unique, that joint. Well, my in laws went out there and they said, Oh, we're on the bus trip and we said Oh, Cooper Pete's reciprocal with uh, St Andrews. I'm like, the St Andrews. He's like, yeah, the bus driver told us. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, that doesn't sound right. So I Google. I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> I'm joining Cooper Pete. <laughs> they have reciprocal yeah, well, for the month. Cost you much to join Cooper Pete. Uh, I reckon it would cost you less than hundred bucks a year. And the reciprocal rights is for the month of January only, and for that latest course that was built at St Andrews. Perhaps don't put that on the on your answer. That's the fine print, guys. You can imagine St Andrews in January wouldn't be at its best, so, I wouldn't have thought. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, <laughs> mate, so you've obviously ticked a lot of your uh, a lot of your um, bucket list courses from what you've just said, or the top top 100 courses anyway. Um, yep. Is that a goal, to, to tick all the top 100 from the Golf Digest magazine listing or rating? No. No, I, I reckon I've probably played 50 or 60 over my life of those top 100. Um, I'll take them up as they come along, guys, but it's, it, it's not a goal of mine. I do want to play as many of those as I can, but I'm not I'm not going to, you know, go way out of our ways to get just to get the last three or four or what have you. I'm, I'm hopeful that on my... My travels, um, we naturally accumulate them. Yeah, nice. A lot of these country courses, they just honesty tins. I am very familiar with the honesty box system, Dave. Yep, I've in the last probably since we arrived in Tassie in November twenty-one, I've probably played as many courses with honesty boxes, which I've played through that uh, rather than being at the pro shop. And there's a few different. You know, it's not just the the cash in the slot anymore there's a couple of other different ways that uh, that um creative people have got so that you can pay online and what have you these days but no very familiar with the honesty box there's some something romantic about a little honesty box near the first tee on a golf course i think it's a <laughs> it's a quirky little thing mostly associated with course you trust me, me. <laughs> <laughs> i've played a few in recent times that that don't even have a receipt book or anything you've got to you, you poke your cash, like your $10 note or $20 note through the slot. So my receipt is to just take a photo of me $20 note going in the slot. But, uh, yeah, 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 that's a, a different take on that. Um, so my, a lot of these courses, you're the only one out there most of the time? Well, again, in the time since since I went to Tassie and a lot of the country, Tassie, and, and just about all of the three months I've been on the road, this time through out back through southwestern Queensland, up into the Gulf of Carpentaria, then over the, to Northern Territory. Most days I go to the golf course, there's no one there, and by the time I've left, there has been no one there. <laughs> so um, I've learned to uh, play with my own company a, a bit better. Not too many three putts when you're playing on your own either. So <laughs> one benefit. Plenty of gimmies. <laughs> Plenty of gimmies. I've seen me putt, you know, I need them. So you play by yourself. What's been your best shot that you've hit since you've been doing this? Like, have you had, you know, the, the albatross, the hole in one by yourself, all this sort of stuff, or what? I've had I've had two holes in ones on the trip. I'd, I'd only ever had one hole in one in thirty eight years of playing golf. I'd only ever had one hole in one before the trip, and then I had I've had two on the trip. One was in Tassie at Newtown Bay, uh, playing with a. a great fella called Andrew, named Andrew Bryce and we played in the, the Wednesday comp. We were the first group off and their first hole was a par three and I hit the first ball of the day on the golf course and it went in the hole. So that was <laughs> that was one and uh, I had a hole in one up at Ingham in uh, far north Queensland on a golf course that uh, goes around a um, race course and on the 10th hole there I had a hole in one. I was on my own. Luckily the tee was right next to a road and I looked across the road just after my ball went in, and there was a guy in his shed. So I yelled out to him, Oi, mate! And he turned around and said, and he was a bit of a character, what do you want? I said, I've just had only one. Can you come over here and make sure my story's vouched? He goes, oh, I don't trust you, mate. You probably went and put it up there and then ran back and called out to me. He goes, it's like me getting 180 on me darts here and then getting my wife to come out and show her. <laughs> so, so they're the, probably the two most memorable shots I have on me on my trip. 
I haven't had an albatross, mate. Only a little old fella. Job to get there in that in those uh, numbers. Don't worry, mate. Dave likes bringing up the hole in one. He asks everyone about a hole in one because he knows that I haven't had one. That's counted because <laughs> nobody saw mine, so it doesn't count. Uh, he okay. didn't have an old mate in the shed over there. This is what you got to do, Todd. This is what you got to do. Two hundred and forty courses, mate. You might get one. Yeah, yeah. yeah lower percentage of them, mate. Trying. Don't worry. So I haven't given up. Well, that's what I say. I played the par three championships every year, mate. Fifty-four holes in a weekend at Kyabram. I don't know if you. Oh yeah, Kyabram yeah. Parklands in. Um, I haven't. Yeah, so that's. I haven't, but I've read about. Yeah, I've read about that championship quite a bit. Sounds like great fun. Oh, it's a great weekend, mate. I recommend it to anybody that wants to go out there and play it. 54 chances in holding one on a weekend. What more do you want? So Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, so tell us, what's in the bag? What's in the bag? Wow. I um, Yeah, what are we swinging, re- mate? What are we swinging? I'm a recent convert. I'd always been a tailor-made driver, man. I've, I've probably nine months ago switched to the Callaway Rogue and um, in, enjoying that. I have um, my most recent purchase, I bought some um, some Callaway Jaws wedges, so three wedges. I've got used to them now, love them. Odyssey Putter, Mizuno, geez, I can't even tell you what model they are, something like MP25 or something, irons I've had for seven or eight years that I've got quite accustomed to. And... Uh, like everyone, or not like everyone, but it's always been my want. I've got the trusty old three wood that's probably about 15 years old that just suits my eye, an old Cleveland launcher. I had my I had my club stolen in about 2010, and I most things are easy to replace, but I could not find a, a three wood um, that suited my eye that I could, you know, feel comfortable with it off the deck um, as well as some decent distance off the tee and after being measured up and trying out half a dozen i played in the trade day and won a longest drive and won this cleveland launcher and thought oh this is for me <laughs> so it's funny how all science was out the window and that's the that's the oldest stick in my bag by a mile it's like my right arm can't get rid of it you get yeah. those clubs don't you no matter what technology comes up with i love this one yep yep and you know three woods not necessarily about about distance it's a you know that utility club which you know you, you've got to be comfortable with so yeah no it's it's, it's my favorite so another question i got too like so you're playing obviously a lot of desert courses and stuff have you i've seen on tv some places overseas have you played somewhere where you just carry a bit of artificial turf around with you and that's you put on that absolutely so i have one piece i have the piece of artificial turf that is in my bag that i got from playing at kubapedi so so to go to Cooper Pedy, you have to go down the main street in one of the Opal shops to pay your green fees, and for you, might be ten bucks, might be fifteen. For your green fee, you get a little brown paper bag with Cooper Pedy Golf Club written on it and a little, little piece of turf. So every shot that you play off, you put on that little piece of turf. Because instead of mowers at Cooper Pedy, they've got graders to rescrape the rock. Because that's what you're playing off, like shale, and it's sort of white, and you, you can't hit your golf ball off that. And a lot of the, not a lot, a number of the courses that you play in the outback in Western Queensland are a little like that. They have a they have a rule that says you can tee your ball up through the green, so they don't have little bits of turf they play with. Everyone just tees it up, and you learn to hit your irons. Thou shalt not take a divot, else, <laughs> else that club will not appreciate it <laughs> because you just scratch, scratch at the billiard. It's not like there's rock everywhere there through there. There'll be patches of rock where you can't avoid. But there'll also be patches of soft sand or red dirt or what have you. It's um, it's uh, it's it's a great experience. I I like people who always play golf in the city and and are used to beautifully manicured places need to get out and play a bit of country golf. I reckon they'd really appreciate the pristine surfaces that they have when they get back to their own, own courses. But but you see a lot of character and you you learn a lot of different things and learn learn to to you know play a lot of different shots playing out there on the on the scrape greens and and sand fairways and what have you it's 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 not a different game but there's a lot of different skills that you that you need i yeah i completely agree with what you say like i've played a few of our events and stuff and i say to people like have you been you know like we played bin along or i've played um portland like sand greens or as i said we go yep. to mudgee or Oberon. like there's yeah obviously sydney's got all these great courses and all the capital cities 
but yeah, outside in the country, it's golf is so different, and there's still, as we've said, you know, discussing like there's so many hidden gems out there as well. But people just go, oh no, I play this nice course, yeah, you know, like New South Wales, but then I play the lakes. I only know great courses, sort of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, pure yeah. grass where my ball's teed up. That's all I know, sort of thing. But you know, there's so many hidden gems out there, and that's what makes this game so great. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love playing those New South Wales and the lakes, absolutely. That, I mean, those top echelon of courses, they are a special, it's a special occasion when you get to play them for sure. But I suppose I'll see a bit of, bit of gold in everything. I, I was lucky as a kid, I played golf in uh, country South Australia, an hour or two south of Adelaide, and, and most of my golf was a place called Victor Harbour. And we had a fantastic pennant arrangement there where there was like, there's probably 30 or 40 clubs four teams per grade automatic promotion and relegation and a number of those clubs were were, were scrape golf clubs and a couple of times a couple of the scrape clubs made their way to the a1 top four four teams and there was so much home course advantage and and you when you played you know the best players on those scrapes courses you learnt you learnt how to play those scrapes courses and handicaps meant nothing you know you'd be playing off someone seven or eight handicap higher than you and they would they would wipe you you know my first game on a scrape I, I was probably off I don't know I was a young fella five or six I played a bloke off 13 he beat me six and five and he had 12 putts in 13 holes <laughs> and that was sort of you know welcome to playing scrapes and down there they didn't use anything with any more loft than a seven iron it was like hard and dry and the ball would skip along until it hit the soft scrape and pull up that's how they played them and what I have found on this trip, and I've probably played, I don't know, 30 or so scrape courses that, you know, there's scrapes courses and there's scrapes courses. Some of them you can play like that. And that's how my preconceived notion on this trip of playing scrapes was. You don't pitch them, you, you bunt them and they pull up. But no, 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 that you, you've got to check out the lie of the land, the surfaces of the, are the fairways soft or hard and running, or are they sandy and soft and and stop dead and in some of the scrapes causes exactly the opposite you can't bump and run them you do have to fly them to the hole so you know each one has its own nuances and you've got to be quick to pick that up i'm far from having uh, nailed the uh chipping to scrapes technique each one of them's a uh, you know each one of them's a new day so to speak well I've, i noticed on one of your photos a couple of weeks ago i can't remember where it was but the sand actually on the green looks very thick you know some and that's the difference between them too. Some are very thin where it's just a concrete yep. base and then some are really thick where your ball will pull up really quick as well. So there's so much different variety to pick from. Oh, absolutely. And even in my last month, I played at Carumba right up in the Gulf of Carpentaria. They're not allowed to put any oil on their sand because of nearby estuaries. So they just have raw white sand and that is so soft. And and then one of my next trips was down at Tenant, Tenant Creek where they did have, you know, deeply soaked in black oil so they were thick and black that um that invented a little tine to put on the back of their um tractor to rake the scrape rather than you know obviously everyone's still had to use the the rake themselves when they finish but their preparation is that they rake on the back of the tractor so that digs pretty deep and makes a really soft scrape as well yet i've played plenty that are more like what you're saying they only have a really thin layer and if you pitch something to it you know, it'll bounce 10 foot in the air and go through. So, you know, the nuances of the scrapes. If you only ever played on greens, you would wonder what the hell we're talking about right now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different world. I've had a number of people on my Insta account, particularly from overseas, when I post pictures of scrapes, saying, is this golf? Is that a golf course? What is that? And, and you know, it's, it's something pretty different to a, to a green, I suppose. And that's what's so special about it. Because, yeah, the first time you play them, you're hitting like your normal golf and you're just hitting straight at the flag or whatever and it's just bouncing past you're like oh i've got to play completely different and, it's, and as me and todd said when we went down to um been along there like the style that you have to play is it's a bump and run but you know that depends on what grass is in front of the green as well yep and, and what time of year even at been along if you played there after you know in their wettest season you probably wouldn't be able to bump and run there either and so it becomes a bit challenged when you can't bump and run it and it bounces that's when you that's when um it's a bit tricky. Well, when we went, yeah, it was pretty wet, wasn't it, Todd? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, the floods were coming through uh, northern Victoria, and um, so they'd copped a bit of rain there too. And yeah, they, it looked like they hadn't cut the grass for two weeks. So the you know moist uh, paddock style grass, well, every 
it wasn't a defined fairway. It was all cut at the same length. And, uh, yeah, you couldn't bump it. You had to almost fly it to the... I was starting to take the club to, to pin high and, and hit it left or right of the of the green, whatever way I've got an uphill chip to it to the flag because <laughs> it wasn't going to run once it hit the ground, you know. And then just yeah. hope you didn't hit the bloody green because if you hit the green, you're in trouble, you know. Uh, I think one of my best shots, I remember, it was a, I was hitting five iron to one of the par fours and I've, five iron, you think, with the trajectory, it'll drop in short and run. And I've hit it and it's dead at the flag and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great as long as it doesn't hit the green. And sure enough, Hits the green, out of bounds over the back of the green. I was just in bounds, luckily. But and, and really, that was one of the best shots I sort of hit that weekend. I mean, Dave hit a drive down one of the holes, and the blokes were putting, and we didn't realise. And he's the day before he's hit driver, and he's come up 15 short and to the left. And so the next day, we don't want to hold anyone up, so he's pulled the driver. I've hit, and Dave's hit driver, and he's piped one dead straight it's landed between the three blokes and you know how big sand scrape greens are they're not very big it's landed in between them and off off the green with the driver and he was about 60 or 70 meters down the back of the hill coming back up to the green uh we were lucky to find the ball you know and we got down there needless to say the group in front of us weren't too happy uh, about (laughs) what had happened and we're like well mate she's like it's a par four come on you know anyhow um Apart from sand greens, there's another little interesting one, and we talked about the artificial turf. Have you ever come across any artificial greens? I have not come across artificial. I have not come across artificial greens, and I've been told of a couple of places with them. I can't remember them off the top of my head. I've seen plenty of them who have the artificial turf on the on the tees, um, and that's a bit of a trick in itself, getting your tee in, into those to tee them up. But I haven't come across any artificial <laughs> greens. Well, actually, one of the first artificial tees I come across is in a in the New South Wales opal mining town of Whitecliffs and we were we were there in the middle of January which if you're ever going to plan anything you wouldn't be in Whitecliffs in the middle of January it's you know where they have near 50 degree days but we saw a week where it was only going to be in the low 30s so we we wanted to go to Broken Hill and Wilcania so we we did that trip and we we went up to to Whitecliffs on the on the Saturday there's only one opal shop open. Went in, we're looking around. And he had a little sign behind the counter, "Inquire within for Sunday golf." And I thought, "Oh, I should inquire within." So I asked uh, the guy, and I said, "You still do this in the summer?" He says, "Yeah, we do this twelve months, twelve months of the year." I said, "What time?" He said, oh, 8 o'clock Sundays." How many did he get? Oh, anywhere between two and five. Ah, oh, oh, I'll see you tomorrow at eight o'clock. And he said, where are you staying? I said, well, can you? It's about a 40-minute drive. He said, yeah, we won't see you. Anyway, so I rocked up at 8 o'clock the next morning, and we had a we had a four. And he said, I even have a golf cart. He had like a 1978 Datsun Ute, and that was the motorised golf cart. And you stood on the first tee, which was about as big as your coffee table, but it had a bit of um, synthetic grass on it. And he goes, the first hole's that way. And he, he needed to point there because there was no defined fair or anything, basically just a few salt bush cut out the way, and that was where you <laughs> went. Fair de- that was a, um, a fair contender for the, the roughest track I've ever played. They had the, the local rule, if you, if you find your ball, you can drop it anywhere within two club lengths, which most most balls ran until they hit a salt bush. So if you can find your ball in the salt bush, you drop it two club lengths and away you go. And lots of rock and sort of carved out rock that the, the, the formed the fairway so you know that was a pretty interesting place Wycliffe's yeah but no 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 synthetic greens yet I think you'll find them mate I think you'll find them across the Nullarbor the Nullarbor links there's a few synthetic greens I oh. travelled across the Nullarbor on a motorcycle and stayed at a few of the, the roadhouses and each roadhouse or some of the roadhouses had a golf hole there and um, they got the artificial greens but I think there's also one in um, Jindra so just just inside New South Wales on the on the yep. just up from Albury, I think there's yep. a little nine holer there that's um, got sand, uh, got uh, artificial greens. Yeah, uh, so a little nine hole community track. So, but yeah, that'd be interesting too. A little bit like sand scrapes, you got to learn how to play them for sure, because uh, it may look flat, but I don't reckon it'll be pretty flat. You know, it's been awesome catching up with you and having a chat and uh, hearing about your travels. And to be honest, we're 100% jealous. Shout out to the wife. She's pretty good stick by the sounds of it uh, allowing you to do that and 
mate, look, yeah, stay in touch. We're going to follow you on, on uh, your socials. Um, Dave will post it on the socials and um, hopefully you get some more followers because it's an awesome adventure. Um, we're loving seeing what you're doing. And, yeah, we're really grateful to, for you to spend some time with the two happy golfers. Where, where can people find you, Tony? Uh, yep, yeah, so Insta on nomadic underscore golfer. And um, I do have a website. It's uh, Australian Golf Course Tour by Caravan.com. Okay, nice. And as Todd said, we'll put this in with the link as well when we upload the episode. Fantastic, guys. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much uh, for having me along. Mate, and if you're ever in um, Yarrawonga or Glenmore Park for Dave, he's a member of Glenmore Park out in the western suburbs of Sydney, um, take take your shotgun with you when you go there. But uh, <laughs> if you're ever in, ever in Yarrawonga again, mate, reach I'll out definitely and uh, I'd love to have a game of golf with you. It'd be awesome. Absolutely. I'll look awesome, you blokes up for sure. Happy golfing, mate. Happy golfing, Tony. Same to you guys. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening to the Two Happy Golfers podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Happy Golfers. Or you can email us at twohappygolfers at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Until next time, happy golfing. Happy golfing. (laughs) 